Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider today, is recorded in the book of Genesis, chapter 15. There we read verses 1 through 6 as follows in Jesus' name. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. These are the words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. Troubled but triumphant. Those words, I believe, summarize the patriarch Abram as he is described in the words of our text today. And when you and I think about it, those same words, troubled but triumphant, are really a fitting title over the life of any Christian. For all of us face many troubles and hardships through our years here on earth, and no Christian completely escapes them. In fact, the longer that we live, the more we realize the truth of what St. Paul said. We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Still, by God's grace, that hard road that we travel sometimes leads us to the beautiful victory of eternal life in heaven. Today, we'll focus on those words then as we look at this particular account from Abram's life, troubled but triumphant. What is it that troubled Abram? What was bothering him? Why did he feel distress? On the face of it, we would not think that Abram had any particular troubles at all. Think about his remarkable life. On five different occasions, the Lord God came and spoke directly and personally to him. And with each of those appearances, God gave Abram a wonderful promise and assurance. He promised to give Abram a large tract of land. God promised Abram countless descendants and fame as the father of a great nation. God promised Abram that those who associated with him would be either blessed or cursed, depending on how they treated him. Most importantly, God promised Abram that the world's savior from sin was going to come through his descendants, his lineage. 
And so at the time of our text, Abram was a prosperous man, fresh from the defeat of some neighboring enemies and enjoying a respectable reputation. Despite all of this, Abram was troubled. When God came to him again and said, Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. Abram unburdened himself. Lord God, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. He said to God, look, you've given me no offspring, so a servant born in my house will be my heir. From Abram's standpoint, the best promise of all had still not been capped, and it looked like it was never going to be capped. He still had no children, and the years were rapidly advancing for him and for his wife, Sarah. This was what troubled him. What good was it for him to increase in his wealth, his herds of cattle, his power, if there would be no child to be born, no heir to follow, no heritage to speak of at all, let alone an entire nation? Abram was troubled to think that he was going to die without having any children, and the vast holdings God gave him would have to pass on to a servant. We know Abram from the Bible to be a genuine hero of the faith. In fact, he is often referred to as the father of the faithful. For Abram trusted and acted on the promises that God gave him. Many years before this, Abram left his homeland in Haran and set out for a strange place which God promised to show him. With nothing more than that promise in his heart, he traveled into unknown, unfamiliar territory. He fought frightening battles with pagan kings. Still, there is also a very human and disconcerting and alarming aspect of Abram's life. For he also showed himself at times to be a weak and fallen human being, tempted to the same sins that tempt all of us. On two different occasions, for example, Abram tried to pass off his wife Sarah as being just his sister. And he did that in order to save himself. The first time it happened was while he traveled in Egypt, where Sarah was briefly taken into the Pharaoh's harem. And the second time occurred in the kingdom of Abimelech. And both times it was only by God's intervention that Sarah was not taken away and kept and lost altogether. And even though the Lord gave a solemn promise to Abram that he and Sarah would indeed be blessed with the birth of a son, Abram showed a lack of faith in that promise. He sought to do God's work by impregnating one of the maids. Abram was troubled. He feared that God would not keep his promise of a son. There were times he sinfully and selfishly sought after his own interests and left God out of the picture. As is so often the case when we encounter historical 
living persons from the scriptures, we find in Abram a picture of ourselves. For we also, like him, walk through life with God by faith. We hear God's voice as he speaks to us in his word. We receive great and exciting promises from God, promises which have to do with our physical lives and with our spiritual and even our eternal well-being. He promises everything that we need every day in this life. And he promises to give us eternal life in heaven when it ends. And yet, isn't it true that we oftentimes fail to take God at his word, that we fail to trust him or rely on him? We're struck down with some illness, some hardship, some disappointment, some fearsome future and we become impatient and frustrated and desperate and then we start to behave as if we have no God at all, as if we have no help available. We take matters into our own hands and selfishly look after our own interests rather than simply relying on him and waiting for him. How did God answer Abram? when he voiced his fear of never having a son or an heir. God repeated the promise. In fact, he doubled down on it. We read, just then the word of the Lord came to him. The Lord said, this man will not be your heir, but instead one who will come out of your own body will be your heir. And then he took Abram outside and said to him, Now look toward the sky and count the stars, if you are able to count them. This is what your descendants will be like. So not only would Abram and Sarah indeed have this son who was promised them, but his offspring would be as many as the stars above. With these words, God spoke directly to the fear that was haunting Abram's heart. These were specific and certain and comforting gospel words. What then? Our text says, Abram believed the Lord and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. Could there ever be written down more triumphant words than that? The gospel promise God gave created, itself created faith in the heart of Abram. He heard God's promise, and through faith, he received righteousness. That is, the declaration that he was counted as blameless before God. For the promise of the countless descendants to come included one descendant in particular, the Savior of the whole world, God's own Son, Jesus Christ. It couldn't have been that Abram that they earned for himself this designation as righteous. As we've already noted, he was a sinner just like us. And it wasn't that Abram's faith was seen by God as being some sort of good work which with he earned this gift of righteousness. No, rather it was God who caused him to be certain and to trust the promises by giving him his word. By grace, the Lord counted the righteous, sinless, perfect life of Jesus Christ, who was still to come, 
as being Abram's righteousness, holiness, and innocence. It was God's love which caused Abram to be certain of this, even in the face of what seemed so humanly impossible. In Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul applies to each one of us what is spoken of here in our text. There it says, the words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This means that by God's unmerited, unearned love for us, for Jesus' sake, Abram's triumph is also our triumph. For by the faith the Holy Spirit has created in us through the gospel, starting in most cases in our baptism, we also are credited now as being blameless in God's sight. That is, God counts Jesus' innocence and holiness as being our own. Because Jesus died bearing all of our sins on the cross, because he rose again from the dead on the third day, we are justified. We are declared righteous and innocent before God of all the charges against us. Troubled but triumphant. As the years went by, Abram was troubled. He was worried over the prospect of never having any offspring. But by faith he became the father of a great nation, the nation from whom our dear Savior himself would be born. Troubled but triumphant, that also surely describes us and our lives. We're troubled constantly, aren't we, by our sins, and by our doubts that God ever could or ever would really forgive them and receive us again as his own dear adopted children. But as we hear this good news of Christ who has died for us and risen again, as we receive that good news in Holy Communion, we're being bolstered in our faith, built up in our trust that God truly forgives us every sin. And now credited through Christ's righteousness, we enjoy this victory of faith. We are the triumphant ones. Again, writing to the Romans, Paul said, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we live out our days here, troubled by our sinful nature, which wants to always serve only itself, as we live here troubled by the ebb and the flow of this increasingly wicked world, which seems to move farther from God every day, as we live here troubled by Satan, who so skillfully can tempt us and then so frighteningly accuses us. Through all of that, we give glory to God 
for he leads us in a joyful procession from trouble to triumph by all of his promises given us in his word. For Jesus' sake, he forgives us every sin, so be faithful unto him until you die, and then receive the benefit of still one more, one last promise, that you will wear the crown of life. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen.